Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Oh, it's a Friday here where we are and where our listeners are. I love that. <laughs> I love that we figured that out after three plus years of podcast. It's not podcasting. the same Friday, but it's a Friday nonetheless. <laughs> so same spirits. Yeah. TGIF, y'all. I hope you're feeling a little spring in your step. I'm definitely. sugar in your tank. I'm definitely feeling the need. <laughs> Except I just did a thing where I kind of opened up my Saturdays a little bit to kind of do as a pressure valve for my M through Fs. (laughs) And (laughs) I am realizing like, oh, if you're going to do that and be a smart business lady, you have to like drop off somewhere else. So. Yes. Yeah, because you just increased your production capacity with a whole other day, but you did not decrease it somewhere else. Yeah, the stress. So now you're just a Monday through Saturday full-time business. Yeah, so I'm feeling that a little bit, but we'll work through it eventually. Yeah, I think I I like opened up just inadvertently. Like I usually go through my acuity at the beginning of like beginning or end of each year and sort of like block out times in advance. And I didn't block out a lot of Saturdays early because, you know, it was slower. And I was like, okay, I'll just, I can't, how many calls could there be? And like, yeah, this coming, I have a discovery call. They snuck in, they found that little sneaky window on my acuity where it was like right before Mm -hmm. I have a plan to be somewhere where I had already blocked other time, but it was like, okay, here comes a discovery call. And so yeah, that's what happened. And the weekend before I did a consult and it was like, oh. and I wanted to open. So the reason why I did it was because I did want to open availability. I found I have a client right now and I'm finding that some people just can't do stuff during the week based on their jobs. So I yeah. wanted to make that available to those kinds of people. But then you regret it. <laughs> so many regrets. Cause there's nothing, there's something so great. Even if you have zero to do about, a zero to do weekend where it's oh, not. Oh, I am even team zero to do. Like, like I never plan shit on the weekends. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I have no friends, whatever. But I just, Mama that's needs not true. Mama needs some QT. <laughs> that's the real answer. Is like you could go do stuff with friends. You could do that. You could have lunches or brunches or whatever. But there's something so awesome about just like <laughs> not getting dressed all oh. day. And just being in your house in your PJs. Literally. And yeah, like, oh, these slippers are getting too hot. I should go get my other pair that I haven't worn yet. I'm still like the... Get the cold slipper. Uh, like, I'm still like the Vegas vendors who stopped serving food because of the pandemic and still are using that as excuse. I'm like still <laughs> living my pandemic introvert life. Like, I never picked I, it back up again. I, I like the, have I been outside today? <laughs> oh, we should probably take Paskey for a walk then because I haven't been outside on this Sunday mm-hmm. and it does look lovely some days, but I don't know. I maybe I think what we're talking about is just that 
effect of having work so much and being on and our brains having to fire so much during the week that like I need to shut down on the weekend to recover. Yeah. But then a smart person would just like maybe not leave it all on the month. Don't leave all your pistons firing all yeah, week. Yeah, like save a little Full save blast. a little for your friends and fam. Well. Speaking of friends and fam. <laughs> okay. Well, we want to talk about our Patreon a little bit. Yes. And those are our design buds, our best buds. Yeah, they're committed. They're in a semi-committed relationship with us. It's <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated, but <laughs> We appreciate every hottie that's in our Patreon. And I don't know, we've been discussing things behind the scenes and it seems like maybe people don't totally know what a page, what Patreon is as a general concept. Yeah. Like we, yeah. So like there were some like, so is this yours? And it's like, okay, no, we don't own Patreon. It's its own, (laughs) it's its own company. That was specifically, its whole purpose is to allow creators of all types to be able to build community pages and subscription platforms with their fans and the people who support them and want to support them. And it's based on that old, like, old-timey patron of the arts. Like, you, like, artists used to have patrons who basically paid for them to live. Yeah, like they would help them get an apartment and they'd help them buy studio There's supplies. Probably other things being exchanged as well. And sculptures but... and maybe a little rent boy behavior. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> maybe hate me like your French girls behavior. Yeah, like, but okay, so hotties, you know, we'll paint you like one of our French girls. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no. That's where it's kind of started from. So Patreon is a system that, yeah, basically there are tons of creators out there that... Artists, illustrators, comic book makers, podcasters, drag queens, like there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, everybody's on. Oh, yeah. And people who actually like make tangible stuff also where they do it like on a commission where they're like, if you are a patron, I will make you this craft or thing, but like I will only do commissions for my patrons. Because I just like cannot keep up with an Etsy shop, or I can't keep up with a whole and Shopify it community. Platform. So then, basically, yeah. it's it's just a place where we have different tiers, or a lot of the different, a lot of the Patreoners have different tiers, and we have deliverables that we are also responsible for as part of that transaction. So if you join a tier, right. there's a list of what we will do for that. We won't paint you like a French girl. But I will not. And I won't knit you something or sew no, you something. So there's a list of what we do for the for that tier every month. And but we also have a little bit of a community. It's not like crazy like Facebook or something, but we post updates, we have little polls, we have sneak peeks to episodes. Just and some discussion questions get posed yeah. in there a lot where it feels good to actually know who's replying because through the podcast platform, we have no idea through like Apple Podcasts who's actually paying attention or hearing us. And so it is, it has been really nice to be able to like have yeah, messages we've gotten to from know them everybody. Little, some of our patrons a little bit more as well. So, how it works is basically you see what the tier levels are and you pay a monthly subscription and it 
is not a long-term thing. Like you can cancel any time. It's not like a gym membership no. where they fight you it's on. It's really getting, easy. Like, literally, you can just go in when you're ready to cancel we it. We hope you right? never will. What we love is that it literally, like, I just feel like it doesn't, <laughs> it's very hard to convey that it takes a lot to keep the podcast running as, as for you, your like third business. Me? Yeah. One of my, for you, it's your third business. For me, it's my second business. Like, but it's that idea that it's, it has its own web hosting. We have, we, we like literally could not make the show without an editor. So like we need, we need the editor. Like we cannot go back to where Rebecca was doing all the editing because we would not be able to make the content. We don't have the time. So it helps us get the editor on board. It helps us get the episodes created. We have help now for the show through our our virtual assistant. So uh, it's a whole separate operating thing that needs, it needs to be fed to be kept alive like a Tamagotchi. Like. And when we go away for the weekend, you keep when we go away for the weekend, will you feed my Tamagotchi? Yeah. And we get a lot of joy out of the show. So that's valuable. But I don't want anyone to think that, like, oh, they're over here becoming millionaires <laughs> off of this. Like, no, no you guys. Like, quite literally no dollars have been transacted quite literally, into our bank accounts. <laughs> a winning a winning year for the show is if it can cover itself completely without needing, you know a government bailout from the governments of Rebecca and Sean. So, right. And we just want to get to the point where we're pretty close now, where we can just do the stuff that we love about it so that there's no resentment. No, Sean's yeah. going to quit on us again. Like we can't get too stressed. I'm never going to live that. <laughs> Rebecca's never going to well, let me live that down. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. We don't want to be stressed out. Stressful. We don't want to be stressed out in our businesses. Yeah. yeah. And we don't want to be so overwhelmed in our businesses that the podcast requires like it's the first thing to go. more than we can give. Like, so we've gotten to a place now where it is really like we have help, we have systems, we have sustainability. And, you know, it's not just like a basement hobby that we do on Sunday nights or something. So I think. It's hard if you are listening to really hear how that works for us and what we do. We really do enjoy hearing from other designers. We are having group chats with people, and it's we like, always that's we why always want it. this to come from a place of joy because we think that makes a more enjoyable show. So yes, thank you, and that's Patreon. Thank you to all of our French girls. <laughs> I can't wait to see those paintings. <laughs> um, <laughs> so today, speaking of emotions, we wanted to yeah, talk. No kidding. <laughs> we wanted to talk a little. We've had this on our list for a while. I don't know. We'll put this for sure in the show notes, but there's a meme illustration that was going around. It's been around for a couple years called the homeowner's emotional roller coaster. And it's like a diagram of like, Mood level zero to one hundred percent, and then the timeline. This is like the nineteen twenty nine stock market ticker, and it just <laughs> yeah. crashes. Like, like the first, the first like thing that happens is design, and your the mood is at a hundred percent, and then it yeah. just keeps going up and down, and I all the way through construction, and then the back to the final high is moving, but like. 
the drywall sanding is like the dark pit of death. Like when it's at that point. Yes. Yeah. Cause drywall goes up and you're like, Oh my God, how exciting. And then they start to seal it all. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it's a, but the sanding mess, itself, if you're living in the then, home is the worst experience to live through. Yes, exactly. So I really like, wanted to explore because it does seem there are some consistent highs and lows that go throughout each project and we just kind of wanted to chat about like Mm. what is consistently the worst yes partly to prepare ourselves but mostly to prepare clients because their moods drastically affect us yes and their freaking out affects everybody so yeah let's get into it yeah I mean, part of it's not just client energy though, yeah. too. Like, it's also the contractor's energy. Like, I've had a few anxious contractor energies where they're like, they're the one making it seem like things are worse. Like Chicken Littles. And I don't know if I don't do good with yeah, Chicken Little but energy. No, I don't like the whole, I really need that valve. I really need to get that replacement valve here tomorrow. And then I'm like, Okay, but what day is the plumber actually, like, <laughs> what day is he actually scheduled to come back? Because that's the day it has to be here. Like, don't tell me he's come. Don't make it seem like I have to run to Ferguson today to see if they yeah, have Yeah, am I driving to San Francisco? Because that's the like, only one available and it has to be in tomorrow or we're losing two that's weeks? That's the type of... Like, that's the type of energy that I've had to have that roller coaster with clients where I will sometimes tell the client, I'm like, look, like there seems to be a little bit of like fire mm-hmm. drill prep positioning with what's coming. And very rarely is it actually a fire drill. And usually like when I let the homeowner know, like that's what's happening. And I tell the contractor, like I'm, I'm the project I'm going to be here to help project manage, but I'd, I'm not literally going to just run at the drop of a hat like your own personal assistant. Like we're running a business here. And I do think that adds to the roller coaster of it for the contractor and for us too. Yeah. And is there any problem solving we can do? Like, can the plumber and the electrician switch? Like, I don't know. Like, they have to figure it out. There's, There's always, always something. That. There's always the. For me, if we start at the beginning of that journey, it's the like try to make the design process feel as like fun and enjoyable as possible because I know that the length of designing is what clients don't realize is like we're so excited we have final design and then now we wait for permit approvals. Like there's nothing that'll tank the energy <laughs> faster. Yeah, that's not even on this. <laughs> Permit yeah. approvals. It goes from working drawings, which like dips down as you work on those. It goes up yes. when they're done, and then it deep dives into bids and contract. So I guess permit would go oh, in there. They've missed. They may have missed some negative crossover where it's just sitting in purgatory at some cities. Because well, like, permit would go, and then yeah, it could be just a lateral line at zero deeper <laughs> for a few months. Yeah, zero for months sometimes where you're just like in the pit of despair because you're waiting. There's questions from the city. The architect comes back and says, okay, turns out we can't do that balcony unless we do all this structural work. Do you want to pay for that? Like this week, our Claire was mentioned, our friend Claire was mentioning that, that she was saying like the clients, like 
don't realize how long it's really going to take until you have walls starting to come up on something. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems so easy. And I've, we get inundated by that. So the more we can tell clients in advance about what comes next and how long that could take, I mean, it takes the emotional burden off of us. I'm not going to say it makes it easy for the client. But at least like you kind of want to be able to come back and say, okay, I know this is stressful, but remember we talked about this and also remember the design, like show them. Look how beautiful it is. Show them the finish line again. That's, That's part of why I really have liked giving my like pro status. Renderings? like 11 by 17s mm-hmm. now, like compared to before where I was just putting stuff on legal, but, but like this quality of the printer matters, but like having the full renderings, like the 3d renderings in there, having all of these like really well put together things, it does give them hope. Like go look back at it, go look at what we're trying to do. Like if it's just digital and you're scrolling through a PDF, it's just not the same. Like something about the tangibility of seeing the design presentation and knowing where you're well, going. Well, yeah, like when a hotel or something is under construction, there's always that big giant rendering in the front. So you can yes. envision what the future of this block is going to look like because everyone's so yeah. annoyed. Like the traffic's all jacked yeah, The streets up. are all closed. There's, yeah, workers everywhere. There's no parking. But... It's loud. If you live around there, there's jackhammering all day. So you have to like, okay, well, I guess it's going to be pretty cool. (laughs) With the little trees and the (laughs) lights and the the little figures in the drawing. Yeah, so you kind of need to have that like staked in somewhere upon entrance. So everyone like prepares themselves. Yes. That's a... That's the first up and then down, like design and then wait. Wait, yeah. And keep waiting. And we're back to 100 for demo. Yeah, demo is exciting for most families. I have a few that freak out during that phase because they're like, oh my God, what have we done? Well, there's no going like, back. There's no turning yeah. back now. And then you start uncovering stuff. So I, I would say what this ignores is that when you come down during demo because you're going to uncover... I like literally this week a pinhole leak in the plumbing of a property in a part of the house we weren't planning on touching. Now we have to sort of repair it and fix it. So there's downs after demo also of like, oh look, termite damage. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> my parents just were doing their bathroom and they the downstairs bathroom and they're like, oh, the upstairs toilet has been leaking into the wall for how long? Ooh. As well as the shower has been little tasty draining. black mold action. Yeah. So now we got to do something upstairs, <laughs> which we weren't planning on. Awesome. And the shower is just draining into the dirt outside. Like, because right, the drain came disconnected, right? Something. Something. Which will just change order. So Cha-ching, now there's a sinkhole under order. the house. Like, <laughs> yeah. And just gross. But then also, I will say when that happens, aren't you so glad you found out? Like if you never demoed it, if we never did this project, you would be, you would have no idea living in black mold paradise. (laughs) It sounds like it, a paradise. So yeah. So there's definitely some like nail biting moments during that, but yeah, we get demo, then footings, rough framing windows. Like that's all. Exciting. That all feels really like building like a house. A lot of progress. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you're doing like 
we're doing walkthroughs on stuff and saying, okay, let's just be sure. Do we like the placement of this wall? And people are starting to imagine, you know, the new open floor plan or the new bigger doors that we put in out to the patio. Like, I feel like there's levels of excitement with that, that kind of build. And it also feels like there's a lot of progress. So clients are amped up. Yeah. And it feels like you're actually creating something from scratch, which is really exciting. Yeah. They don't talk about like inspections that get like missed or don't pass along the way. And then you have to do corrections. Like that's kind of a, a bumpy little speed bump detour that you have to go on during some of this. Yeah. (laughs) And then like there is starting to go a steep dive down through rough-ins, plumbing, heating, electrical, and insulation. That just probably seems like nothing's actually happening visually. Oh yeah. Cause you come in and like, you look at, let's just say like, new electricals going in and all you're just seeing is these like red or you're looking at, you know, yellow or white cable running through the house. And what you don't realize is that the electrician had to spend so much time picking the most efficient route to get all of that stuff done. They're going to be drilling out everywhere to run those. And like, they have to plan where those divert off. Like it's a whole little hedge maze of electrical that has to get cut through and it can feel like stupid long. Yeah, like all those like, things together, you're it's just a long timeline with very little like visual payoff. And I mean, we're not I guess it's the difference too of like a lot of these labor, like skilled labor type roles. It's not very like there's not a lot of rushing it that you can do. Like you can't really go fast to like lay out a whole bathroom or a kitchen's worth of plumbing. Like it has to be very deliberate. You want to make sure you have the right pipes, the right fittings, the right adhesives, the right everything. And like, the truth is, is like, I would not want to rush those phases, but yeah, it sucks when the electrician doesn't show up for three days because he got called off on well, another job. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's like wait, a lot of like, different trades and subs trading off in this timeline that there's probably gaps in schedules, which feels... Oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah, because you're... Yeah, you're thinking, oh, two weeks. Like, in our perspective, if I had to wait two weeks to get the heating and the AC guy there, like, okay, two weeks, that's that's fine. Like, that's not that bad after the years we've all had. But for a client, that's just two weeks where they feel like nothing is happening and they're still writing checks out to everybody. Yeah. And carrying costs on this house, whether, and maybe living in it. <laughs> so that's yeah, like for if some you're doing them. dishes in your bathtub, like you're hating it. Yeah. I do kind of prep. I don't have anything like organized, but I do have like a, it's time to like get your camping kitchen together like if the, if we're doing a kitchen which a lot of my stuff is kitchens and baths so yeah it's like it's time to I should really just make a handout at this point where it's like a one pager like how to make get, a camping here you go. kitchen like yeah you need like a setup and you know some clients I had one client who was really smart they had the contractor take their sink they were demoing and he made like a little two by four stand <laughs> in their in their like backyard and he, they put like a bucket with like a little cover on it and they had the pipe come (laughs) down into the bucket 
So they could wash out dishes and then they would just take that, you know, the stuff from washing little dishes, they would take that and put it down the toilet because they had still had some working toilets in the house. So it's it's sewage. Like you can't just like put food down it. Like I'm not going to put, you know, bits of broccoli (laughs) or something, but they were able to like get a little like camp set up so they could do it and they could use the hose outside and like they could use a kettle to get some hot water, like full you know, full Laura Ingalls, like <laughs> Little House on the Prairie status. That's like also SoCal life. Yeah, because you could go yeah, outside like at any season almost and wash your dishes. <laughs> yeah. But you do need one of those little like bus bins that they mm-hmm. use at restaurants, like put the dishes. You need a little bus bin, put some hot water, wash your stuff, get paper plates if you don't want to wash anything. if you did a lot of kitchens, but... it would probably make sense to like have your own station. You could... Lend out to clients. Oh my god! Could you like imagine the, if like or you'd I could have just... like one of those Coachella sinks wash stations? You know, <laughs> <laughs> for rent. I mean, I guess I they already have porta potties in their yards when they're when we're ripping apart bathrooms and stuff. Like, With a little pump, foot pump. If I you're know, lucky. The, yeah, but I'm sure there are some like those people make good money. Oh. Should we be investing in porta potties? Like, is that a business model we should be investing in? Porta potties and parking lots. Like, we would be rolling. Parking lots, when I worked at the bank, because it was a wealth management group, you'd be, maybe you would not be surprised, but a lot of, a lot of very wealthy people are parking lot owners. It makes so much money in parking impacted areas. And you have very little maintenance like zero so like compared to like an apartment building you know you just have to have asphalt and ada compliance you know is kind of like your biggest concern they, and you have to have some yeah, lighting you know like cleaning the pee out of them like ugh. no yeah so you just need like a parking attendant who will pick up trash and take money from people so it's yeah it's like a very passive income source if you were like if Honestly, if you were smart enough to own an empty lot that was near like where they put the SoFi Stadium and you just held on to it for 30 years, like yeah. Talk about bank. Like we we need to get into porta potties and parking yeah, lots. Back. Rebecca and Sean's porta potty and parking lot emporium. <laughs> oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> okay, but we digress. Like we do. Ups in the moods come in the reno process, when drywall starts to go up, we talked about that a little bit. It gets better. That really feels like a house at that point. Yeah. And if it, if some people have a hard time envisioning, yeah, like when you're just in framing, like you can't totally picture everything. But yeah, once the drywall is up, then you're like, okay, these are actual dimensioned walls. Right. And it's easy to start imagining then because then you also start to see where like, the junctions for the sconces are on the walls and like where the chandelier. So it gives your eye like some good punctuation spots to see things. Yeah. And you can tell how big things are. And I don't know. It does feel more like you're playing house and it's getting built. Like this is your fort. (laughs) Your fort has come to life. Yeah, I have a little bit of trouble as we start moving ahead, though, because I feel like from here on, it starts to be like everything is very, everything starts to get a little dire. Like, if the junction box was put in the wrong spot, we're now having to like cut drywall and shift it and repair it. Or if we like 
if the client needs to make a last minute change on a faucet and you're like, okay, there's only like three that go with the valve that we put in the wall. So we're either replacing the valve or picking one of those three. Like, yeah, it'd be great if that didn't happen. And I'd love to tell all the hotties like, oh, that never happens. But like, I'm sorry, shit does happen. And they do change their mind about something or they're starting to freak out about the cost now because they're writing so many checks up till this point that they're like, maybe we won't do the medicine cabinets. And you're like, "Uh, we framed for them. Like they're, they're already ready. Like it's happening. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I think this is the point. Yeah. So this little graphic was not made by a designer. I don't think. Yeah. Because it's just a straight up shot from, from cabinetry all the way through finished electrical. They're like, it's so great. It's just going up, up, up. But there's definitely like dips. I mean, also, when things come in that aren't correct and nobody caught it, mm-hmm. I had a kitchen with like manufactured cabinets that were made in another state and had a huge lead time on them because it was 2021. And yeah. they we they were inspected but not fully unwrapped because they had to stay protected in the garage. And there were internal damages and it was a major <laughs> disaster. Just timing. The clients were over it and they had to wait more. They had to wait longer for those cabinets to come. To come to replace them. Yep. And we I have some nail bite moments with cab like cabinetry and finished carpentry is always one of those where like if it's if it's perfect, if that is perfect, if like cabinetry ends up being a perfect install, some the universe is gonna give you something else that doesn't work. Right. Like I've never had, I'm going to say, I don't think I've ever had cabinetry go off with like without one hitch. Like it's just so many literal moving pieces and cabinet makers miss stuff. And they're like, oh, I forgot there needs to be a filler right here. So this drawer doesn't rub on this part of the wall Mm -hmm. and they made the drawers too big. Like it's such, it there's, it's like so many things can go wrong in a, row of cabinets that if you're off by a half an inch, now suddenly the hood isn't centered where the stove is going to go. So it's so detailed. There's nowhere to hide anything at this point. Like yeah. if it's, I had there's a, not a lot of wiggle room. Like it wasn't my vendor, but I had a cabinet install for some reason. They didn't wrap the cabinets when they were delivering them. So there were all these like <gasps> scratches and like tiny corner, like, dense i guess Dingies. yeah it's oh like my why God. would you do that <laughs> that i don't Anything, understand like furniture too like why would you not just pay extra so that you don't have to deal with this again like to wrap it i, I cannot that makes me so oh anxious God, I'm so mad and then if something so the thing that i think happens a lot is one of those things happen, and now, like, spidey senses are fully activated <laughs> from the client. Mm-hmm. They get their big magnifying glasses out on everything. Get their blue tape out. Get their roll of blue tape. Yeah, because and... they're like, oh, that's... I'm not going to let anything else by me. Nothing else slides Or, now. like, assume that everyone's an idiot. And just, like, const- like constantly looking for stuff. Well, especially because at this point, we're talking about finishes. Like, this is the stuff they're going to stare at every day. So there's a hypersensitivity to wanting it to be perfect, even if your client is realistic that it won't be. But, like, 
yeah, we didn't just pay to have all this drywall put up and have it be perfectly smooth and then have it painted over with dings in it or a cabinetry be with dinged or something. Like they want, they want what they paid for and they, they're going to be way more vigilant of these finished products than they're going to be of framing. Like, no, I've never seen a client go and look at the quality of the pine two by fours. Like, and I'm going to tell you, there is a lot of shitty lumber out there. Like, they should, they probably there's a should lot be of really crappy. Yeah. And I have had contractors who have like a discard pile because they're like, these are, these pieces are shit. Like they're going to fall apart and I don't want to put these in. And I don't want to have to like square out the walls 14 times just because this board was so warped. Like that's good if someone is, but like clients aren't looking at that. They're not looking at junction boxes and going, this one's bent. Like if they knew <laughs> like the rough stuff that has defects in it, but it's still functionally fine. Like there's tons of that stuff, but hidden. they're not going to, they're not going to let it slide when we're talking about like their new light fixtures or the tile. Like, Yeah. And I also think there's this phenomenon that probably most designers have felt or dealt with that clients are so like keyed up and anxious because of how much money they've spent. And if it's been a long time, like, holy shit, am I even going to like this anymore? And so like the first finish that goes down, they're like, this isn't right. This looks terrible. And they're like, looking at it against like the waterproofing or like some Right. Like the purple hardy backer, like you can't judge these things one at a time. And it's like a constant calm down. You have to see everything It'll together or like scale too. Like we've talked about that where like if one light fixture goes up before any furniture is in and the scale just looks crazy, clients will start freaking out and second guessing. I mean, I would do it too, though. Like, I'm critical well, I do at that do phase it, even but then, in my own but, home. I mean, I do do it. Like, as the designer, I'm like, oh, shit, did I do that right? Like, this is, is this good? <laughs> did I? No, and I do have, I have those oh, crap moments where I have, like, the tile guys like, well, what are we doing for the niche? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, what am I putting there? And I'm like, there's finish edging. And he's like, no, I opened all the boxes. I'm like, I, they're there. I promise you. Like, and then you start thinking, find the invoice, find the shipping label. Look, like, are they there? Did they, did someone break them? Whatever. And then, you know, you have those um, emergency fire drill calls where you're like, no, for sure. And they're like, well, I got some Schluter here. And you're like, do not, you little shit, do not put the Schluter that, like, I know there's a box there and it has a dozen finish edge pieces pieces for that niche like go find them like, yeah that's the te- like the tension that's going on at that point because they're also in the contractors in the let's get yeah, it done mode and i got up. the tile guy here and he's not going to come back tomorrow and you're like the hell he won't <laughs> like he will come back tomorrow if he's not done like yeah we're going to do this right yeah, and did something get misplaced and we can't find whatever valve, like all those little pieces and I don't know, depending on oh the God. job site, like it does get really scary. And I don't know, like as things start like really going in, I think at some point at some point it can be like, Did <laughs> did I fuck that up? And sometimes, sometimes I do. I, yeah. 
I've had the wrong amounts of hardware and they're like, we're missing, we're missing pieces. And I'm like, really? <laughs> hardware is so hard like, to count. Yeah, okay. It's so, well, and the cabinet plans change sometimes yeah. when you're doing a shop. Like I plan one thing and then during shop drawings, the client's like, you know what? I'm going to spring for it. I want that extra pullout or I want to change that door. And you're like, okay, no big deal. And, you know, you just have to hope that your hardware doesn't get discontinued or something. But, Otherwise, you know. it's blue tape mill for a couple weeks. Yeah, so far so good. Like, but that stuff is also, like, gonna happen. Like, there is gonna be that missing doorknob or the missing, you know, cabinet stuff and light fixtures that you were like, oh, yeah, we added a light fixture, but it never got added in the design package. Like okay, well, we'll get you a flush light, flush mount light ordered for that. You know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So I think it's really like doing a really good job at managing clients' expectations. And like, we've talked about it too in the framework of like a Candyland board game of like, okay, we're going to enter into the pit of despair chocolate mush pot like whatever it's called (laughs) like (laughs) things tend to go wrong here and maybe if you're like really forewarning clearly it'll raise expectations in a way that it won't be as bad yeah i really adopted very early the idea of telling clients like something will go wrong but it's like like, can you tell can you get to the point where you can tell them at the milestone like i think we can say that all day long during design but we're at a hundred still oh yeah we need to do it when we're in like the murky middle and like we're gonna round the bend into whatever right and like tell them in advance of the cabinetry meeting like hey you're probably gonna make some changes and that's gonna it's gonna have some budget impacts if you get a little wild so you know, like, let's stick to the plan as much as possible. But this is also your last chance to change any shop drawings with the cabinet makers. So I want you to get what you really want. But you know, don't go crazy. And then down the road, remember that on before install day, let them know like, hey, it's not weird during install days to have cabinets arrive and maybe they're off and they need to be re they need to be like redone or they need to be built differently. Like sometimes it happens. Like the cabinet maker forgot something and you got a drawer instead of a pullout organizer. Like we'll work on it, but just don't freak out if they're not all a hundred percent perfect. Yes. And then they're, then they know like, okay, this isn't the first time and it's not just me and I'm not the victim here. Like, I mean, there's we'll literally a million it. moving parts, like for things to, be completely perfect would be pretty miraculous. Like, isn't it amazing that you you can even get in a car and move (laughs) safely when you think about how many little ticking time bombs there are at any moment? Like, like like how it's impossible. (laughs) Trigger my agoraphobia starting now. Yeah. Like never get on a plane again. Like it's just like, like it just makes you realize, like, I don't think that, that analogy gets communicated enough with our clients about how much can go wrong and that what they're seeing is the better version of that by working with us and that there is so much more that can go wrong than what they're ever going to see. And by working with us, we do our best to 
remedy mistakes, but also through collective experience, try to work with trades that all trades will make mistakes, but you want to work with the ones that fix them and own up and work yes. with you. Like that's to me the biggest. It needs, I mean, they need I to be, hear that. they need to be skilled, but also like on your team. Yeah. I have some good and some bads. I, we've talked about those. Like there's a fair number of those contractors who like in their effort to do things quick, fast, easy, cheap, whatever, end up not doing what we need done. Or make all kinds of mistakes and really bad right. workmanship. And that's a whole different yeah. scenario. Like that's a whole interpersonal skills, managing through influence instead of control. Like those are all different things that we have to figure out as we navigate relationships with vendors and we can't that's a whole different ro- roller coaster. Well, we can't control the roller coaster. We just make sure that we like hire the people that maintain things properly and there aren't like screws flying off the track. Roller coaster of love. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then that's, I think, when you're in those pits of despair when you want to pull out the rendering again i mean you probably should do it to the point where the client's like all right enough we don't even like it anymore we don't even want to see it but really like remember this is still gonna happen like we just gotta figure this little bump out and we'll get there it'll i mean it's a very privileged place to come from to be able to have these things to talk about and worry about and think about. So I feel like if we can instill that level of gratitude and understanding it, it will help our clients. Yes. And I think really give like the mental space or I guess appreciation for how emotionally fraught this process can be in someone's home. So right. it's not just financial. It's not just physically uncomfortable. You're emotionally like displaced. Like you can't just come and go. There's people in your house. Like you're basically camping. Your front door is always unlocked. You can't just walk around half naked like you're used to. Like, I mean, some clients don't care by the time they're done. The contractor's already seen them in their bathroom. I mean, contractors like, have probably seen it all, but... But yeah, like just to just to help, I guess, support the client's emotional side of it and also remind them that that's going to be part of the journey. Because I think a lot of people go into it thinking, okay, this is expensive. And if we're living there, okay, let's get our camping sink together. But if they've never done it before, they've really got to prepare themselves and they're married. (laughs) Like you were posting on that reel, like... Maybe get some therapy lined up before you start. Damn, damn right. And vacation. <laughs> get your house in order. Yeah, because yeah, that is just like pushing everyone to their extremes. I hear it. So it's the will. You're not alone out there, y'all. You're not alone. It's, We're it's just, all white knuckling this roller coaster together. And but when sometimes when you're done, it's such a rush, and you're like. Woo! 
let's go again. Like, and that's what we do. <laughs> is it worth that's, it? Why do we do it? The adrenaline rush makes it worth it at the yeah, end. Yeah, that final drop. Like, oh my God, that was the final drop with your hands thrilling. in the air. We almost died. Like, <laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> we could have died, but we didn't. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> It'll be better next time. Whee! Yeah. It's different when you know when the curve is going to hit or when the loop-de-loop See? is happening. and that's like, just like what we need to identify. <laughs> it's like, yeah. when is that upside-down part? <laughs> it's coming up. It's, you know, it's coming up now. It's coming up, y'all. So don't let it stop you because don't you don't want anyone to think that they've somehow figured it out to be so much better like i guarantee it's still happening to even the best designers sure. and the most skilled like there's always unknowns there's always things that are unplanned for so i know we hear from a lot of designers who are like oh i'm just so scared to start it and i just like literally there's nothing you could do short of being a contractor that would prepare you to do it. Like you'd, you just have to begin. You just have to start. And it's a super profitable way to be available to our clients. So it feels like we can't ignore this revenue stream of renovations. Yeah. And people really need our help and guidance. Lord, do they? Yeah. We're out here doing God's work. Lord's work. <laughs> well, with that in mind... Until next time. Stay hot, designers. Roller coaster. Hello. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 